Okay, so our speaker today is Yovita from Toronto. So Yovita, the floor is yours. Hello, my name is uh, Yovita, I'm an alcoholic. Yes, I am. I currently live in Toronto. Thank you so much, uh, Lisa, for asking me to speak. So this is my first time speaking on Zoom meeting. Uh, so I'm going to pop my cherry today with that. Um, I think I got so stressed and anxious about this for some reason, even though I was really looking forward to it and I didn't feel any stress that I I didn't sleep until about, I don't know, 3 a.m. It is 8 a.m. right now uh, where I am. So, yeah, so I'm not as prepared as I would like to be. But maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it'll be more raw and fresh. So um, what was it like? What happened and what it's like today? That's probably the formula I should go with. So. So I have a very, very layered history of uh, recovery. I first uh, came to these rooms at the age of 27, I believe, uh, which is almost 20 years ago. I'm 46 uh, soon. Um, and it was it was great at the time. I felt that I was going to be one of those, you know, miracle children, 27 as a child, um, who was going to just, you know, go to one meeting, get it and stay in it. And I did for about three years or so, longer than that. Uh, and then at 31, I had a beautiful baby boy. Um, and shortly after his birth, I relapsed. Um, I do want to talk about it in my story because I find it, um, it's still a taboo thing, even within recovery circles to talk about, you know, drinking and having minors around, uh, in my case, an infant, because uh, there's a lot of shame and guilt around it, certainly for me. So uh, so he was only a few months old when I relapsed. I was definitely dealing with, you know, all kinds of postpartum depression, you name it. I was not going to the program. I was done with AA. Sorry, I also have a little puppy here that's trying to interrupt me. Um so, uh, and that went on for a couple months. I finally, um, I went to rehab for the first time. Uh, I had a real sort of alcoholic experience that time because I went to rehab. I reluctantly went to AA, you know, I had to do it the hard way. And of course, while also trying to take care of this brand new baby. And in Canada, we have something called maternity leave where we are, uh, you know, getting paid for basically essentially staying at home with the baby from from your work. It's about 70 to 80 percent of your pay. So um, so I had, you know, I had money to support myself at the time and his father was around, um, you know, and people around me picked up slack. I, w I was trying to be very organized alcoholic. So I had things like, you know, I'm, I'm always working on my laptop. I'm a writer. So I would set up alarm clocks on my life, uh, laptop that would tell me how much time has passed from the time I had last drink of alcohol to the time I was able to breastfeed. And it's about eight hours because it does, you know, it's, it's not a perfect science, but just to show you the sort of the extent of the lengths I had to get to, to keep both lies happening. The lie, the first lie was that, you know, I was a happy mom of a, of a brand new baby. And the second line was that I was a drunk. Uh, who drank after I put the baby to bed, who drank, you know, while on walks with him, um, you, you name it, I drank. So um, I got sober around the time he turned one and I went back straight to AA with the tail between my legs. I marched 
across a large room and got a newcomer chip and and then I did all the things and then there was a kind of a journey of you know AA adventures so you know religious meetings non-religious meetings you know sponsor who told me uh I should not take my antidepressants because I should pray about it which I did <laughs> didn't work out very well I didn't relapse but I had all kinds of withdrawals from Prozac um things like that so eventually I found uh agnostic meetings in my in my city that I really liked uh and oh yeah and one thing happened and I want to mention this not for any self-promotion but because it's such a part of my story and people do talk about their jobs and what they do for a living so I'm going to mention this that when my son was about four years old I published a memoir uh about my addiction and it became um it got some traction it it's you know uh, some people may you know not you but some people may know what, what I'm talking about uh very descriptive title uh and it was a memory of addiction and recovery so so when I was going to meetings a lot of the time you know there were people who would know about this memoir which sort of it was never a good thing because I still for weird reason thought that I could keep my anonymity separate from that of of being you know suddenly a best-selling author who was also suddenly an expert on addiction which I always said and especially in public spaces like on tv or radio I always said I'm I'm not an expert this is only my experience I've never I've never I've never gone out to you know promote a none of that like I've never done that ever but I'm sure people assume that um that that's what helped and anyway uh so by the time I got to be on belief you know that was kind of already I had maybe that bit of that reputation um and also beyond belief here in Toronto happened to have two other totally randomly two other authors one published uh beyond belief musings and then the other one published the alternative steps so so we were sort of de facto group of drunks publishing books um which was kind of cool and then we were also very politically active one one member was suing you know uh I don't know. He was doing the general AA for for discrimination because they would not list us in that little booklet uh, because we were agnostic. There was just always kind of a. It was more like an intellectual play. Like the the free thinkers, you know, adage really applied to that group. Um, but for me, it got a little bit too political, too too much of personalities, mine included, you know, and not enough principles. Again, this is just my judgment. This is how I'm I'm seeing this myself. So I left. I mean, I got another year or two, I don't know, another cake, another medallion. I left, you know, my son has mostly seen me sober, but also has seen me drunk. And he's 14 right now. And he has memory of of me being drunk and long periods of it. And, you know, constantly breaking his trust and promises and it's going to be different. And and just it's a cycle, like it's a cycle. And it's, you know, every time I would get some sobriety, I would feel, oh, my God, this is this is it. So right now, when I am, I I don't feel that, and not not to jinx it or anything. I just feel that you know, it's it's a really one day at a time thing. So uh, I didn't I didn't go to the during the pandemic. I drank during the pandemic. Uh, a little bit after, I I didn't know about. I mean, I knew about Zoom meetings. I just didn't feel like doing that. Um, I regret it now because I I found out about Zoom meetings quite recently. Um, so 
I guess my story sort of shows that there's not what happened because so many different things happened. You know, it was my son that happened that made me relapse. There was the book that, you know, even the pressures of having that book were were probably something what contributed to my future history and then not being able to come back to the rooms because I imagined I was so ashamed of having put out something out in the world that talked about my addiction, but also sort of about recovery and that. I would disappoint people that I did not stay sober. Like, what are, what are y'all going to think? You know, even if there's, I don't know how many people read it, but like, I was just so terribly ashamed of, of you know, declaring my my recovery, my sprite. Like, the book doesn't end with me saying, oh, and, and I stay sober forward. It actually says, I don't know what's going to happen next, which is a, every book should end with that. <laughs> but, um, but the fact is that people did read it as self-help and many people, found it very helpful and you know said they it's gotten them sober it didn't get me sober and it didn't it made me you know stay away from the program for for being embarrassed so I'm hoping that this is maybe the only place where I would talk about it in that detail but that's what that's what kept me away from these rooms so coming back to these zoom rooms being able to spell my name differently I mean I can put a you know avatar of my puppy and never turn my camera on and spell my name just for it to say George, but I don't think I need to have that that much of a uh, wall between me and my fellow uh, alcoholics. And I'm totally fine to, you know, talk about anything. I'm not I'm not ashamed of the book. I'm not ashamed of having relapsed after it. I'm really still dealing with a lot of guilt and shame around, you know, my son. And and we're sort of in the process of rebuilding trust. Uh, so he's a teenager now, so it's a little harder. I have to, I have to work a lot harder, but he knows I'm going to these meetings. He knows I'm, you know, I, he knows I'm sober. He can tell. Um, so, so far so good. Now I just recruit, do I have a bit more time or should I shut up now? A bit more. Okay. Yeah. I just quickly wanted to say, because I didn't mention anything about the steps or, or reading literature. So I did, um, I did the steps. I studied the tradition. I did, I even did the mocking and you know I forget what's called mocking up the book where you circle the words that are like supposedly from God or something or highlight them so I went through every I feel like I went through every every AA there is traditional less traditional for young people for I don't know you name it agnostic etc so this time around because I have that such throughout really really I you know my first fourth I think was like 60 pages and um I had it on I don't know about five to six sponsor uh this time I'm not doing that and this is not to say that this is maybe the way to go I really really want to sort of ease myself back into these rooms so I'm only going to zoom meetings I find them really useful um well we're gonna have a nice uh nice um what do you call the interlude in our recording? <laughs> uh, anyway, um, wow, that's funny that that exists. So yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't. So I don't do the sort of tradition. I don't do the do things right now, and I don't know if I'm going to do them. I uh, maybe, uh, but I do find these meetings extremely helpful, and I find it's just so. I find that's like an evolution of AA, you know, like we right now we're reading the news about AIs, like AIs doing art and writing for people. And, you know, the world is evolving, definitely. But I think within AA, 
there's this specific evolution of 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 how more and more inclusive we're becoming that you know that we have meetings uh starting all over the world and then there's meetings i went to one yesterday that you know the topics was mental health which when i started going to these meetings you know back in like early 2000s or mid 2000s you couldn't talk about mental health because it was considered an outside issue you couldn't talk about you know your problems with other substances because it was an outside issue so so I love that we've evolved in that way. <clears throat> and that's what keeps me coming back. And that's what, you know, I'm dealing with a major, major, major crisis in my life right now. I had a death in my life two weeks ago. Um, and I have this, these meetings. And in both instances, I'm really relying on these meetings and on you people, um, you know, for my recovery and to be able to share. And that's what keeps me sober right now. And yeah, I feel that... Um, I want to, you know, shout from the rooftops about Zoom meetings. Uh, maybe not when that sort of thing happens, but that just happened. But in general, they're they're pretty amazing. So thanks for letting me share. I think that'll be all for now. <laughs>